Okay, so here's where we're going to start. The B is belief. Believe. Our faith in God helps us answer two fundamental questions. Y'all ready for this? The first question that faith will help you answer is simply this. What I believe about God. Mm. Is it, Pastor Well, that's easy. Okay. Uh, let's talk about this further. What do I really believe about God? Because all, all temptation and all distraction and all instability begins with the introduction of doubt about who God is or about what God said. So faith helps me understand and answer this first fundamental question, and this is how I answer it. I want you to hear this now about God while you're going through whatever you're going through, while you're beginning to stabilize your life. Notice what Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 18 says. It says, so God has given both his promise and his oath. Notice that. He didn't only promise, but he swore an oath. You know what that means? It means that God promised, and then he promised to keep his promise. That means the way I stabilize is that I have to know this truth about God. That he's not only a promise giver, he's also a promise keeper. And God said, this is what I'm going to do, and I swear to you I'm going to do it. That means when I'm going through a difficult situation or circumstance, I can stand upon those two things. I'm the son, the daughter of a God who promised and who swore to keep his promise. No, 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 notice what the writer says. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Listen to, listen to what's going to stabilize you now. What's going to stabilize you as you go through your turbulence is the fact that God has given you two immutable truths and it is impossible for your God to lie. So no matter what your situation or circumstance is speaking to you right now, I can always go back to this immutable, unchangeable truth. That God has given me his promise. That he has sworn an oath. Oh, in fact, thirdly, my God cannot lie. That means whatever he said is true. And it is indisputable and irrefutable. Not even my circumstances can overturn what God promised. I'm talking about God's promise for your future. I'm talking about God's promise for your children. I'm talking about God's promise for your peace. I'm talking about God's promise for the abundant life he promised in John 10.10. 10. He says, I promised it, and I'm going to back it up, and I do not lie. That's what stabilizes us when we go through turbulence, what we know about God. Notice what it says. Therefore, therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge. Anybody else ever fled to God for refuge? Those who have fled to God for refuge. Notice what the scripture says. The name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run to it for refuge and they are safe. He's talking to those of us who have come near to God in the midst of our turbulence. It says, for those of us who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. When you're going through that turbulence, you can run to God for refuge. And notice what it says in verse 10. This hope, 
is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. You know what's going to stabilize you and me as we go through turbulence? It's that God has given me a promise, and that promise is my anchor. And if I let this anchor down, notice what the scripture says. He becomes the anchor of my soul. You know where the instability happens? It happens right here in my soul. Because my soul is the seat of my will, my emotions, and my intellect. My intellect is my ability to reason. I take the facts and I reason them and intellectualize them. My emotions are my feelings. My willpower is my ability to say yes or no. And that's where the battle rages. The battles that we fight about the turbulence in our lives will wage right here. It's either going to be in my reasoning, how I'm processing what's happening to me, or it's going to be in my willpower, my ability to say yes or no. Yes, I can continue. No, I can't. And it's going to be happening in my emotions, how I manage my emotions. The way I stabilize, y'all, is I have to believe the right things about God. He will become the anchor for my soul. Okay? Here's the second thing we need to believe in order to stabilize. The second thing is not just believing the right things about God. But the second thing is to believe the right thing about your circumstances. Okay. Notice what Paul said. Notice what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. This is going to help somebody this morning. Not only do I need to believe the right things about God, but I have to put my circumstances in the proper perspective. And this is what Paul says to us about our circumstances and the problems that we're facing. He says, therefore, do not lose heart. Don't throw in the towel. Don't despair. Don't quit now. He brought you too, he's brought you too far for you to quit and throw up your hands and give up now. Do not lose heart. Let what you know about God become the anchor of your soul. Listen to what he says. He says, even though our outward man is perishing, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. He said, things might be falling, out, falling apart on the outside, but on the inside, I'm getting stronger. You got to change your perspective about your circumstances. This thing ain't going to kill me. It's making me better. On the outside, it might be turbulent. But on the inside, I'm being renewed and transformed every single day. Notice what else he said. Notice what he called it. He said, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. I'm talking to somebody. Is working for us a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. No matter what you're going through, the scripture says it is but for a moment. That means your adversity, that means your circumstances, that means your struggle has a shelf life and an expiration date. No matter how intense the storm might be now, you've got to rest in the fact that this too shall pass. It's only a season. It's only a season. It's a light affliction. I'm equal to the task, and it is but for a moment. This won't last always. I'm talking to somebody this morning. Having the proper perspective about what you're going through will stabilize your life. 
It is for a moment. It is for a moment. It is only a season. Notice what he says. He says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are what? Temporary. But the things that are not seen are eternal. You know the consolation we can find in that verse? Everything that you see right now is subject to change. And it's subject to change for the better. So you've got to know what you believe about God. And you've got to know what you believe about your circumstances in order to stabilize. Most of us resign to our circumstances and say, life is just going to be like this. It doesn't get any better than this. Yet the scripture says it is a light affliction that is but for a moment. Okay, let me try one more. I was tempted when I used the word believe and I said, man, that's too easy. Because it's, it's natural to say, well, I just go trust God. And this thing go go away. Yet there's a flip side to this thing too now. Because in our relationship and in our interaction with God, there is a God side and there's a man side. Hmm? If I'm going to stabilize, it's not only about me believing, but it's also about me breaking bad. Okay. Anybody else watch that show? Anybody else want to admit they watched that show? So one night, man, check this out. I'm going somewhere with this. One night I was looking for something to watch and, and, and on Netflix. And the show had just ended. And there was all the, the, the series, the whole thing had just ended. And, and there, was, there was this, all this buzz about, you know, Breaking Bad is off the air. What are we going to watch next? And I'm like, Breaking Bad, what's on the phone? In fact, there was a lady who uh, called 911 somewhere on the East Coast because her cable went down and she, she was about to miss uh, the, the series finale. <laughs> it was on CNN. That's what baby said. Well, I've got to watch this show, man. And they played the recording, and the, the, the dispatcher was on the other end of the line and said, Ma'am, uh, you dialed the wrong number. We don't handle, you know, cable problems. You need to call your cable provider. That's how in distress this lady was. So I said, I got to watch this show, man. Got to watch this show. Man, I put that thing in. In one night, y'all. One night, y'all. I didn't watch the whole, the whole thing. I, I, watched, I watched the first two seasons in one night. First two seasons. That's a lot. I was up all night drinking coffee and Mountain Dew not to miss the next episode. Let me tell you why I fell in love with the show. Let me tell you why I fell in love with the show. The whole premise of the show. The whole premise of the show. It revolves around Walter White. He's a bumbling, very mediocre, average chemistry teacher, but he's got a brilliant mind. In the pilot episode, Walter White is diagnosed with cancer, and he's been given a very short time to live. Meanwhile, on the heels of the diagnosis, he's looking at his newly pregnant wife and his special needs son. He's like, I'm, I'm about to die. I'm a high school chemistry teacher, and I ain't got nothing to leave my family. Meanwhile, his brother-in-law is a DEA. Look, I done sucked y'all in. Y'all, 
done sucked y'all in. Y'all going to be watching Breaking Bad tonight? Uh, Meanwhile, his brother-in-law is a DEA agent. And in the pilot episode, the brother-in-law is celebrating with his team how they made this big drug bust. And they're talking about all the money these drug dealers made. And it was meth. This dude's like, I'm a chemistry teacher. These guys making all this money. I can do this. Make a whole lot of money to leave my family before I die. When I saw that man, fell in love with Walter White's character. For that reason. The things that we would do for the ones we love. It's the whole premise of the show. Somebody who's about to die and leave his pregnant wife and special needs son with nothing. So he said, I got to get creative and use what I got. Now, the end doesn't justify the means, City Church. I ain't telling you to go and start cooking stuff in your kitchen. (laughs) That ain't what Pastor said. But let me tell you now. Remember last week I said one bad decision lead to another bad decision will lead to another bad decision. And all of a sudden you're wondering, how did I get here? By the end of this whole series, he's finally deciding, how can I break bad? Because now I'm in too deep. And the truth is, if our lives are going to stabilize, there are some bad habits that you and I have to break. It's the seeds of self-sabotage. It's not just, it's not just what I believe about God. It's not just what I believe about my circumstances. But equally as important, it is the decisions that I make every day that determine whether the turbulence increases or decreases just by making better decisions and breaking bad habits. Thank you. Because when I said said it was kind of lazy to say believe, because this is how we do as Christians. We put it all on God. And if my life's going to change, God's going to do it for me. Yet God says, there is a part you have to play. And it is in the decisions that you make Daily. John Maxwell famously said, success doesn't happen in a day. It happens daily. Oh, y'all missed that. It doesn't happen in a day. If I am going to be successful and win at life and stabilize, it goes back to the choices that I make daily. It goes back to my daily disciplines. And let me help y'all take it. Yeah, make it my bed. That's why. I, let, me, let me take it sort of out of God's lap and let me put it back on our lap. My daughter's favorite verse of scripture. Favorite verse of scripture because when I drive her to school, <clears throat> when I used to drive her to school, y'all know uh, uh, 
Y'all know I'm doing the corporate thing now. I'm back in corporate, double dipping. I'm bivocational. So my whole schedule is different now. Used to take baby girl to school and, and, and Levi. And on the drive to school, man, the moments we talked about God and about life. And one of her favorite, and I teach her scripture, and she would memorize it a verse a week. In fact, when she came out of sixth grade, uh, she wanted us to put a note in the journal and, you know, how to do the, the yearbooks and stuff. And she had a message that she wanted us to pay for, and she wanted her favorite Bible verse in the yearbook. And her favorite Bible verse is uh, 2 Timothy 1.7. A familiar passage of Scripture which simply says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. She ain't afraid to stare down that shark and hit it in the snout. Fear doesn't originate in God. He has not given us a spirit of fear. But notice what he has given us. Don't put it up there. Don't put it up. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Thank you. He's given us a spirit of power. He's given us a spirit of love for those of us who think we can't love the unlovable. And he's given us a sound mind. Now, let me tell you why I'm even quoting this verse. It's because the New King James Version doesn't do it justice. In fact, the New International Version gives us a better translation of that verse. Can you put the NIV up there if you have the NIV? And this is where, this is where I'm about to wrap this thing up so we can go eat some chili. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. But the spirit God gave us gave, gives us power, gives us love, and self-discipline. You know what that means? It means that God has given each of us the power to break bad. Oh, but that's just the way I am. Well, remember we talk about that, that marinade you've been sitting in. We said every family got their own marinade. Hmm? And that marinade you've been sitting in for decades. Your marinade is whatever you have normalized. Everybody else says you're crazy. But you say this is my normal. And God said he gives us the ability to break bad. The spirit of self-discipline. God has empowered each of us to walk in. Listen to what Aristotle said. He said, you are what you repeatedly do. Therefore, excellence is a habit not an act. We can exchange that word excellence with anything. You are what you repeatedly do. So your buffoonery is a habit, not an act. You are what you repeatedly do, so your anger and your pride is a habit, not an act. You are what you repeatedly do, so your slothfulness and laziness is a habit, not an act. Uh, since I've been by vocation, I realized quickly that I'm putting in about 80 hours a week. Easy. Between what I do just around the corner here at Renner Center Corporate and what I do for City Church. 
And it requires discipline to love your family well while you're out of the house more than you've ever been in 17 years. It requires discipline on the drive to church to have a meaningful conversation with my nine-year-old son. And most of us are stuck where we are because of bad habits that we think will magically disappear when God has given us the ability to discipline ourselves. And I wish I had time to talk about self-discipline. But my life will not stabilize until I take responsibility for where I am and begin to incorporate the proper disciplines. So I got to hear Avery Johnson, and this, I'm about to close. I got to hear Avery Johnson back when he was coaching the Dallas Mavericks. And he said, I tell my Dallas Mavericks every week, every single week. And this was Dirk Nowitzki. This was back when it was Dirk and Nick Van Exel and Steve Nash and all these guys. And he said, I tell them every week. There's two things. This is when he brought them into, into when they were championship contenders now. This is before they won. But this is how he got them from being a mediocre team to being a championship contender. He said, I tell these guys every week in practice, uh, there's two things you need to stop doing. And then there's two things you need to start doing. And then there's two things you need to continue to do. And in that simple formula, they became a championship team. Begin to examine your life right now and begin to ask yourself, what are two things I can eliminate from my life right now? Part of the problem with self-discipline is that we're just too busy. And we confuse busyness with productivity. Just because you put more on your plate doesn't mean you're more productive or more effective. In fact, I would venture to say, that the moment you become less busy, you will become more productive. So what are the two things you can eliminate from your life right now in order to stabilize? What are the two things in your life right now that you say are absolutely essential and non-negotiable? And these are the two things that I must keep in my life. Continue to do. And finally, what are the two things that I just need to start doing that I haven't done before. It's a recipe to change your life forever. How do I stabilize? I've got to believe, but I've got to break bad through the power of self-discipline. Because the hardest person you will ever lead is yourself. Y'all didn't like that one, did you? Okay, so I'm about to close. I promise you. About to close. Did I give you the L-E yet? Oh, I only gave you the B? Oh, Lord, I'm going to go fast. Y'all ready for this one? This is groundbreaking, earth-shattering. The L, if you're going to stabilize your life. You got to laugh a lot. Let me tell you why. Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. It says, may the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what it says again. May the God of hope fill you with all what? Joy and peace as you trust him. Let me tell you the barometer for healthy emotions, and I can always tell who's in faith and who's not in faith. By the person who's laughing and the person who's grumbling. Because the person who is laughing and believes God faces life differently than the person who doesn't. So when people walk into my office and I'm having conversations with them, I can tell immediately whether they're in faith or not. It's because of the joy of the Lord that they walk in. Because if you truly believe, it will impact your emotions. In fact, I believe, I believe with all my heart that laughter is the barometer for healthy emotions. The more you laugh, the more you laugh is an indicator of how healthy you are emotionally. If I were to, if I were to ask you right now, when was the last time you had a good belly laugh? Most of us would have to think back to 2005. I'm just making up that number. Yet the scripture says the joy of the Lord is your strength. The reason most of us become unstable in life is because the enemy has stolen our laugh. The enemy has stolen our song. And the reason that we are impotent and ineffective is because our joy is gone and now I'm unstable. Because I've lost my strength. Because I've lost my joy. You know the, the, the Harmon family creed? I've told you that before, right? I've told you the Harmon family creed is just, again, an acrostic for family. And the F is have fun. I always know when it's time for us to have a family meeting, man, is when we stop laughing. And I've been married long enough to know that there are going to be seasons in your marriage and your relationships where ain't nothing funny no more. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Don't come at me with that, you know, like, I don't want to laugh right now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Been there. Ain't nothing funny no more. Used to be cute, though. Nah, man. Ain't nothing funny no more. So in the Harmon House, we have a family meeting when we stop laughing. What's going on? Why everybody on edge? Here's why. When the laughter stops, it's replaced by one of two things. Silence or shouting. And both are equally detrimental to the relationship. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Somebody retreats and you don't talk no more. Or someone becomes belligerent and in your face because the laughter is gone. But the laughter missing is an indication of something much deeper. Something much deeper. Hi! 
Jesus, can I say this? It's a, it's a result of something much deeper. And let me tell you what it is. Let me tell you what it is. I've done counseling long enough, and people walk in my office, and I just took a couple through counseling, uh, premarital counseling, and, and we talk about the big three. <laughs> we talk about the big three. We talk about, uh, we focus on communication, we talk about focus on sex, and uh, we focus on money uh, because those are the three, the big three that impact, negatively impact relationships. And uh, my discovery is this. Uh, whether you stop laughing about communication, whether you've stopped laughing about sex, or whether you've stopped laughing about money, the underlying theme in all three is expectations. When people stop laughing, when the Harmons stop laughing, we know that somewhere there are unmet expectations. And it's time to stop everything to talk about it. I want you to hear this now. Man, how can I say this? <clears throat> the exasperation that you feel right now in any area of your life is the deficit that exists between your expectation and your experience. Jesus. Take the wheel. Let me say that again. The exasperation you experience right now is an indication of the deficit or the gap that exists between your expectation and your experience. Okay, let me, let me, let me rephrase it. The reason you're frustrated is because somewhere in your life, what you expected is not what you're experiencing. Oh, that, that, that made more sense. You expected one thing, but you're experiencing something different. And the gap between what you expected and what you're experiencing is your frustration quotient. The way you remove your frustration, listen to me now, the way you eliminate the frustration and stabilize your life is you either, okay, let me put it this way. What's this? Expectation. Experiences. The gap in between here, I wish I had a third hand. The gap in between here is your frustration. Some people are here. Some people are here. Some people are here. The way you close the gap, the way you close the gap is either you change your expectations or you change your experiences. Okay, okay. So here's the problem with unmet expectations. Some expectations go unmet because they're unrealistic. Hmm. And you and I will remain frustrated as long as we hold on to expectations of others that are unrealistic. I am an African man. Come on, somebody. 
She said, preach, oh. There's a certain way, you, you know, you expect things to be. I'm going to lose the ladies on this one, man. Come on. <laughs> hey! No, let me put it this way. If I expected Wendy to be my wife and the mother of my children in a truly African context, I would be frustrated to no end. Because those expectations... Mm -hmm. in an American culture, are unrealistic. <laughs> These children. <laughs> I, I was about to, to no, if I, if I, I ain't going to do that. I got to let y'all go. I got to let y'all go. I got to let y'all go. But the, the frustration that we often experience in relationships is, is because of that. Unrealistic expectations. The question then becomes, where did I get my expectations from? It's the marinade. It's the family marinade. And let me tell you what the family marinade is, and I've said this one time, I think I've said it a thousand, and i got to let y'all go. Your family marinade is simply this. Y'all know this already, City Church, but I'm going to say it again. Your environment will determine what you're exposed to. What you are exposed to will determine your experiences. And your experiences will determine your expectations, good or bad. My environment was halfway across the world in Africa. That determined what I was exposed to, what I saw what was normalized in my family and in my culture. Wendy was born in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Ipsy in the house! <laughs> we got two Ipsy people. We got uh, Heather and we've got Camille and, uh, and Wendy's also Ipsy. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Wendy grew up in Ypsilanti, Michigan. Her experiences and what she was exposed to totally different from mine. Yet, we all had our own marinade. My marinade had certain things that I learned in Africa that became what I was exposed to, what I was exposed to, determined my experiences, and my experiences are now my expectations. So you get two people that marry with two different kinds of marinade and everybody trying to put the steak in two different marinades. Don't work. Don't work. So I have to say to myself, she has different expectations. I have different expectations. We both frustrated because my expectation and what I'm experiencing, what I imagined, what I imagined and what is actual are very different. And now I'm frustrated, she frustrated. Something got to change. So either I change my expectations or we change the experiences. Otherwise, we both live and die frustrated. and my life becomes unstable. This is not just for husband and wives, though. What are your expectations even on your job? Let me tell you something. I keep going back to corporate, right? I like that, you know. Yeah, I'm back in corporate, you know. <laughs> I got my ID, I'll be, you know. 
gotta let y'all go though. I gotta I really gotta let y'all go, but this is, I'm having fun. Let me let me keep y'all two moments. So so every day I walk through that door, I have to ask myself the question, why am I here? Can I help you? You are not on your job to make friends. Y'all don't like that. If you show up at your job with an expectation, this is where I'm going to make friends. And you don't make friends on your job. Your expectation doesn't match your experience. And now you're frustrated. And you quit your job. Right, thank you. You get fired. Before you can quit, they fire you. Uh, if I have a friend, I can put unrealistic expectations on my friend and what they will mean to me. I can put unrealistic expectations on my spouse. And I can buy into a Jerry Maguire, you complete me philosophy. The devil is a lie. <laughs> no, no. Those are the unrealistic expectations put on other people. You will make me happy. No. If you ain't happy, can't nobody make you happy. Don't put that kind of pressure on me. I do not exist in your life to make you happy. Now, I'm not supposed to make you cry. But happiness is your choice. Because you can always find something that you don't like about someone or something. What am I talking about? Oh, I got off on my... Okay, ultimately, my choice to stabilize is an intentional decision to maintain the right attitude regardless of what life throws at me. So I have to choose the E. I talk about laugh a lot. There was so much more I wanted to say. But laugh a lot. If you stop laughing, man, let that be an immediate indicator to stop everything and figure out what needs are going unmet and what the underlying frustration is. Because when the laughter stops, it's replaced by silence or shouting. All right. So enjoy everyday life. Enjoying everyday life. If I'm going to stabilize, I can't despair of life. Jesus said it this way. Uh, in fact, uh, where did I get my ex or How do we normalize our expectations? The word of God is the standard for all expectations. If the word of God says it, that becomes the standard for what you should expect. Nothing more, nothing less. If the standard is different than what the word of God says, it may be an unrealistic expectation. I'm talking to you now. If it's anything other than what God says in his word, it may be an unrealistic expectation, expectation that will go unmet. Okay, so I got to let y'all go. Kept y'all almost two hours. Jesus. Um, so the E is enjoy everyday life. That is a decision. This is what Jesus said, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus said, the very reason I came, man, is for you to stabilize. I came so you would stabilize. The reason I died on the cross is so that you would stabilize. He says, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Come on, somebody. 
That's, that's a promise. Jesus said, I didn't only promise it, but I swore an oath to keep this promise. I came that you might have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. That's the kind of life Jesus imagined. And that's what a life that is stabilized looks like. It looks like John chapter 10 and verse 10 from the Amplified. So what's my part in it? I close with this. Uh, many of you have seen this, uh, written by Chuck Swindoll, but it speaks of attitude. It says, the longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on my life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It's more important than the past, more important than education and money. It's more important than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. Attitude is more important than appearance, more important than giftedness or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, or a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude we will embrace for that day. Every single day, y'all. The attitude I will embrace for that day. Can I just say this? Attitude ain't like singular wireless. You don't get carryover minutes. I must choose my attitude daily. It doesn't mean, well, just because I had a good attitude yesterday that magically my attitude would be good today. No, I have to choose my attitude for that day. Listen, we cannot change our past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. I want you to hear that now. We can't change the fact that people may act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on one, the one string we have the one string that I can control every single day. whole bunch of things I can't control, but the one thing I have control over is my attitude. Chuck Swindoll writes, I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. So if I'm going to stabilize, I've got to make the choice to be singular in focus, to travel light, to anticipate good, to believe and break bad. Man, i got to laugh a lot, man, laugh a lot. My expectations and my experiences must somehow synergize. And then E, I must make a choice to have the right attitude in order to enjoy everyday life. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you for your people and we thank you for your word.